So this entire summer, we talked about margin for a little while. We've talked about a few different things. And honestly, it was all leading up to this series, making sure we're all on the same page and then coming together as the body of Christ and asking God, how, Lord God, can we be more like you? We're all in lockstep. We're all in one church. We're the body of Christ. So we understand what we're doing with the marketplace ministry side of everything and how important those things are. We understand that we should be living holistic lives, right? Not just here on Sunday mornings, but when we leave here, taking our faith, being faith active in every single thing that we do. Leading up to this series, and the kickoff of the series this morning, it's called, this series is called Different. It's, it's called different. It's a, it's a call to holiness. It's a call to, to stand against the pressure to conform to the image of this world. To conform to the, to the, the pressures, the, the compromise, the, 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 a call to stand against the pressure to compromise God's word. It's a call to be set apart. This whole idea of being set apart. It's a call to love God more than you love this world. You say, well, that's so easy. Mm, Not really. I want you to truly before God. Honestly, I want to stop for a moment right now. I want to pray. Because I really want people to focus. Focus this morning. Lord God, I pray that you would speak to every single one of us individually. In a way that truly penetrates our hearts. That we would not just hear the words, but they, we would apply them to our personal lives. We think about our relationship with you and what it really means. When we say we are a Christian, that we are a follower of Jesus Christ, that we are your children, I pray that we would truly try to understand personally what that means this morning. Amen. And what that means is loving God more than you love this world. It means having courage, honestly. Having courage. It means never, never giving in regardless of what the cost may be to you. Your job. And whatever it is. That you will not compromise. That you will not give in regardless of the cost. It means you choose a relationship. Hear my words. You choose a relationship with God. Your relationship with God is more important than any other relationship in your life. Any other relationship, God is more important. God is looking for men and women of character who will not yield, who will not bow, who will not crumble under the pressure of this world. This is a time like no other time in the history of our country. The pressure is on us, and sometimes it becomes overwhelming. And in Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 18, we have kind of an example of this, of this pressure to bow. King Nebuchadnezzar sets up an idol. 
He sets up a golden idol and he basically gets all of his leaders together, all the leaders of of Babylon. They pull them all together and he says that all the leaders of Babylon and all the people who are under his rule, no matter where it is in the world, when you hear this music, you need to bow down and you need to yield and you need to worship this idol. You need to yield. So when you hear the music, you know what to do. Here's what it says. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down... And worship shall immediately be cast into the fiery furnace. And everyone did what they were told. The whole, they all did what they were told. Who wants to be thrown into a fiery furnace? Who wants that kind of pressure? Just, just go along. You know, I mean, it, it could cost you your life. Cost you your relationships. It could cost you, it could cost you everything. So everyone did what they were told and they bowed down except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't bow down. And so the other leaders come and they basically say, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you set up. Nebuchadnezzar is very unhappy with this, okay? Very unhappy. And this is what he says. This is what it says. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. They were were brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you will not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zether, the the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. Very good. I like you then. You'll be one of us. You'll be part of the culture. You'll be, you'll be swept up and no one will know any different. You'll be, you'll just be one of everyone else. Very good. But if you don't worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, but if not... We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. We live in an age where, there, where, where Christians show incredible courage in standing up for their faith. But we also live in an age where Christians show tremendous cowardice. Compromise, compromise in the church, compromise in Christianity is everywhere. And I believe it was for, it is for such a time as this that our God has called upon those who He has set apart. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were set apart. They would not, they would not 
fall to their knees and worship other idols. They were set apart by God. And it is such for such a time as this that God has called upon those whom he has set apart to have uncompromising faith. To have the faith of Esther. In in Esther chapter 4, verses 14 and 16, Mordecai says this to Esther when all this pressure is on. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but you have, you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa. And fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And that's the courage that it's going to take in a culture like ours. That's the courage it's going to, it's going to take. The courage to say, the courage to say that I, I will stand, I will stand for truth. I will stand for truth. I will stand for Jesus Christ, regardless of the relationships that it costs me. If, even if I lose relationships, even if I am falsely called a hater, a, a, a person who's, who's a, a, a hater or someone who doesn't want to get along or someone who's, who's just a, a, you know, intolerant. Even if I'm falsely called a person who's a hater or intolerant, I will not yield. That's got to be our attitude. I will not yield. I will not compromise. And if I perish, I perish. That's the attitude that we have to have in, in, in the world in which we live. God has called us. If you have made a, a faith commitment to Jesus Christ, then God has called you to be His child. And this, my friends, is the foundation. This is the very foundation that we are building this series upon. This, this is the foundation. This is a call to be, to be set apart. This is a call to be different. This is a call, honestly, to be a remnant. Because that's all that God actually needs to change the world. He doesn't need the masses. He needs a group of people that have been called by Him, that have been set apart by Him, to have the courage to not yield, to not bow down, to not compromise. Just a remnant of people. And God can use that remnant of people to change the world. He always has and He always does. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you have to ask what it's there for, Right? That's what you do, honestly. That's, that's helpful. So when you see, therefore, then you ask, ah, therefore, what is that therefore? And in this case, it's a call to action based upon what he has previously written. Okay? It's a call to holiness. It's a call to holiness. It is a call to action based upon what 
what Paul has previously written. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18, Paul writes this. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? That's kind of like an, the evil demon, the kind of Satan. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. I wish I could go through theologically every point I'm making here. God used to dwell in the temple, right? They built the temple. This is the temple now. That's what he's saying. For we are the temple of the living God. And God has said, listen to this. I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Come out and be separate from them. Be set apart. Why? I dwell in you. I chose you. I chose you. Come out from them and be mine. Be separate from them. And then... In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he wrote this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Listen to those terms. A living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. People say, well, I want to know what God's will is for my life. God is telling you how you can know that. Having God's promises provides powerful, powerful motivation for believers to separate themselves from the wisdom of this world. And it is everywhere. And we are compromising everywhere. It's constantly being poured into you. The wisdom of this world, the wis- all the things, the philosophies, the ideologies are constantly being poured in. And the Bible is saying you need, to, you need to step back. You need to be set apart. The Word of God needs to be the foundation. If you call yourself a Christian, the Word of God should be the very foundation of your thoughts. Every other thought that you have when you're at school or anywhere else has to be weighed against the Word of God. Period. There's no, there's no compromise here. There's no compromise. God is saying, I set you apart. How do you know how to live like a set apart person? It's the word of God. It's the very word of God. The, what's first and foremost when it comes to holiness What's first in what's first and foremost, what it's all about is being set apart for God. Hear what I'm hear what I'm saying. This is really, really important for this entire series. This is really important. It's about being before it's about doing. You think of holiness and all of a sudden your mind goes off. I have to I got to be this whatever and put this on and I got to I can't say this and I can't do that. It's first about being being, being, before it's about doing anything. First, it's about relationship, before it's about rules. We need to get that down. 
It's about God in a relation. I will walk them. They will be my people. I will walk with them. I will dwell with them. I will interact with them. I am your God. You are my people. It's about relationship. When God calls us to be holy, it's first and foremost about relationship. It's about being. It's not about doing. It's not about rules. That, that's, that's something that comes as a part of it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, it says, God says this, I will live, Larry, I will live among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Relationship. Walking with God. If you don't get that part down, no matter how much you try to be holy, it isn't going to work. It's inward before it's outward. Something happens in our hearts. It's an attitude of the heart way before it's an action. Way before you start trying to live it out. It's an attitude of the heart. Those promises that God has given us that he will be our God and we will be his people. And all the things that we just read. Those those promises should produce in us as believers, believers a heart of love and of thankfulness for his overwhelming his, his overwhelming grace, his, his overwhelming generosity to us. All the things he's given. Think about what Christ has done in your life. Think about what, Christ, what, God, what God gave in order for us to be called the temple. That God lives in us, that God would want to dwell with us. This, it, it, it should bring about this intense, this intense love. And I mean love. I mean love the way the Bible describes love. I mean it should have, this, this love should be so intense and drive such a heart of thankfulness because of his overwhelming generosity and what he has given to us. For me personally, honestly, I want to be holy. I want to be set apart. I want to be righteous. Not because I'm afraid if I don't do, God's going to get me. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the thankful heart and realizing what God has done, what he has given me, where he has taken me, where he took me from and where he's brought me to. That's what I want to have. I want to have a deep and abiding relationship with God. I want that intimacy with God because of what he's given to me, what he has offered to me, what he has generously bestowed upon me in my life now in the past and the present and then what God has promised me for the future. All those things bring to me a heart of gratitude. See, here's the thing. Luke, Luke chapter 6, verse 35, tells us that one of the things that characterizes people with an unrepentant heart is a lack of generosity. I'm sorry, not a lack of generosity, a lack of gratitude. A lack of gratitude. They're not grateful. So Luke is saying that's what this is some of the things that this is one of the things that categorizes people who are just unrepentant. They have an unrepentant heart. It's a lack of gratitude. In Romans chapter one, verses 21 through 25, we find the same theme. For though they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were, were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God 
for images made to look like mortal men, mortal human beings, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things, rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Paul says, dear friends, in 2 Corinthians 7, when he says, dear friends. And what that tells us, what that tells us is it lets us know that he's talking to followers of Jesus Christ. He's talking to us. He's focused on us here. His children, those whom God has adopted into his family, are the ones who receive these promises that God has offered. And the ones who should show that gratitude, that thankful heart. That should be us. As we go through this world and we face all these pressures, this should be the overwhelming draw of our hearts. What Christ has done in our lives, what God is doing in our lives, what God has, has offered us, has given us, and will offer us in the future. All those things should set in our minds, set us apart. So that no matter what, what, what worldly influences try to come in, we are going to push those back. And if that means sacrificing my own desires, it means sacrificing my own desires. What did I say in the very beginning? God is looking for a group of people who will choose their relationship with Him over any other relationship. You see, when you became a Christian, the Bible says that Christ is sufficient for you. Sufficient with what? Sufficient for everything. For everything in your life. You don't need, and it's good to have them, it's important that we have relationships, but the most important relationship, the one that we truly need, is the relationship that we have with God. So it's this whole attitude of being gracious. Gratitude. Paul defines this act of gratitude in two ways. First, believers must cleanse themselves from sinful actions, both of the flesh, right, and of the spirit. Now, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. And then in James chapter 1, verse 21, we read this, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. When, the, when Paul uses the word ourselves here in verse 1, it tells us that, that the cleansing work that is to be done is God's. But this is interesting too in the original. It also tells us it doesn't happen apart from our effort. We need to, we need to, that sanctification process. God has justified us through Jesus Christ. Sanctification is an ongoing process. We need to be continually trying to become more holy. We need to continually try to become more like Jesus Christ. That's, that's our part. Paul calls believers not only to cleanse themselves from sinful choices, but also from all connection, all connection to with false religions or um, worldly um, ideologies or philosophies. 
So we need to cleanse ourselves, not just from, you know, these things out here that we're doing, but also things that can get into our minds. He, he's calling us honestly. He's calling us, calling us to push back on those non-Christians, if you will. But honestly, he's calling us to push back on Christians who would try to change the word of God to fit their own desires and their own agendas. And I, I hate to say it, but that is the truth. There are so many out there now who have their own desires and own agendas and are warping the word of God so it fits their own desires and their own, own agendas. This, this complete cleansing is both of the flesh and of the spirit. It's both an outward but also an inward reality. Worldly wisdom and false teaching defiles the whole person. By honestly playing into their sinful desires and corrupting their minds. Playing into their sinful desires and then corrupting our minds. And this is what we have to watch out for. So many Christians have allowed their minds to be polluted with lies and half-truths. Now, some people are sitting here saying, well, listen, man, I don't, I don't worship any false religions. And I, I, I'm worldly philosophy. I'm not really sure what you're talking about here. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're not sitting down bowing down to some idol. What, what Paul's talking about are worldly philosophies. He's talking about it could come from any, it come from school. Whether it's college or high school or junior high, whatever. Any of those philosophies that are against, the, that stand against the word of God. It could come from school. It could come from the news. It could come from friends, it could come from family, it could come from what we listen to, it can come from what we watch. The goal, the goal in all of this, this constant noise, this constant beating on your mind, the goal is to get you to conform, okay, to conform to the pattern of this world. What did I say in the very beginning? Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, you go, if you go along, good, that's, you're one of us. You're going along with the pattern of this world. That's what I want from you. If you don't, though, I'm going to call you a hater. I'm going to call you intolerant. I'm going to call you names. I might even physically harm you if you don't bow down, if you don't yield, if you don't go along with what we're telling you, you have to believe now. And that's why I was saying there's so many, there's so many believers, if you will, out there who are succumbing to that pressure and kind of going along, go along to get along, because then people will pat you on the back and say, very good. You can have your you can have your God. Just put him in your pocket. OK, you can have him. But you make sure you just go. along. You make sure when I say bow, when I say kneel, you kneel. If I say, if the culture changes and all of a sudden this is acceptable at that, you kneel now. Because of course we all, we're Americans, right? And the important thing about America is that my truth is my truth because I believe it. And your truth is your truth because you believe it. Right guys? Isn't that nice? Until you don't go along with my truth. Until you don't bow, until you don't yield, until you don't compromise. And then I'm going to bury you with nasty words and aggression and any other way I can get you to succumb or to submit to what I'm asking you. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you think, oh, no one's going to throw me into a fiery furnace. They don't have to. Just have to make sure you don't get the promotion. 
Make sure that you don't get to be able to do this or that or make sure that you're kind of kept over here or make sure that we belittle you or make you feel so uncomfortable that you just kind of, man, it's not worth it. I'm just going to go, go along with this. And it's, and it's working. It's working. It's, it's frustrating, got to be honest with you. It's working because cultural or carnal Christians, okay, dominate the landscape. And spiritually immature church followers go right along like sheep without a shepherd. Because it's so much easier if your leader gets up and starts going off to the left or to the right. It's so much easier to follow because what he's saying makes life just so much simpler. Of course, you know, what we want, we want to make sure we don't offend anybody because we want to lead everyone to Christ. We want to lead everyone to Christ. But I'll, keep, I'll go back to my professor. He's passed away now, but he used to say all the time, what you win people with is what you win people to. You win them with a false gospel. You win them with, with uh, smoke and mirrors. And that's what you're going to win them to. And then when the, when the pressure comes to bow, they're going to bow. Because they bowed already. Church leaders, Christian authors, Christian celebrities attempt to change the meaning of biblical truth to fit their own desires in an attempt to be culturally relevant. To stay culturally relevant. If, if I have to compromise to be relevant, then I don't want any of it. Then call me irrelevant, okay? Say that Pastor Jeff Greer of Grace Chapel is irrelevant. If I have to compromise to be relevant, here's the thing. I, I, I was thinking about this. I, I didn't get saved from, from the world only to rejoin it 40 years later. When I got saved, I, I, Christ didn't set me aside. Christ didn't, didn't call me and save me only for me to rejoin what he saved me from 40 years ago. I don't, I sometimes, I sit with my family when we talk about this, like, I'm confused. I don't understand it. What happened to holiness? What, it's, it's like a joke. You don't even want to talk about it anymore because, oh, Oh, that one, if we bring that up, that's going to offend somebody. That might, that might be a, a hurdle for people to overcome. Do you understand that a person cannot truly come into a relationship with Jesus Christ without understanding these terms? These realities of what Christ has done for us? When God says, I accept you into my family, he has set you, holiness is being set apart for God. We shouldn't be running back to where Christ has taken us from. Here's the thing, and I, I know I'm probably offending some people, and I'm, I don't apologize. I'm, I don't mean to offend people. I'm just not going to apologize, though. They align, they align with the cultures, with the social issues of our culture for one basic reason. This is where you, you read things about Christian leaders, Christian leaders going back and apologizing and going along and saying, I was wrong and I didn't understand. They align, okay, with the social issues of the day for one gigantic basic reason. They love the world and they want the world to love them. They love, they love, Ravi Zacharias said, uh, well, I'm not going to get into that right now. 
He said, Christian celebrity is an oxymoron, okay? But that's the reason why. They love the world, honestly, and they want the world to love them. They need that. If you do this, it's all, you're good. We accept you. You're one of us. That's what they want. They want the world to love them. But James 4.4 makes it absolutely clear. Okay, absolutely clear. You adulterous people, he says, let me define what adulterous people means. Those who are spiritually unfaithful, who love the world rather than God. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So many people are bending their knee to the, to the, to the, the God of this world and the applause of the masses. They're just sucked in by the applause of the masses. I want you to love me, love me, accept me. If you have to be accepted by compromising, then where are we? We see, they forget that holiness is first. What it means, first and foremost, is being set apart, being different. Let me, let me kind of be real honest. If, you're, if, you're, if your views on social issues aligns with the world's views on social issues, you can be almost always sure that your views, okay, on those social issues are not in alignment with the word of God. Let me, I want to be absolutely clear. If you're walking around thinking, you know what though? I'm a thought leader. Uh, I, I'm one of those Christians who I, you know, you, I wouldn't go to a church like that because you're a bunch of whatever. And I, I, I gather and I can do this and I can do that. I'm a, if your views on most social issues align with the world's views, I can almost guarantee you, okay, that your views are not aligning with the word of God. It's the cry of our cultural, carnal Christians. Here, here, I know, I, Pastor, I know what the Bible says, but I feel. I know what you're saying. I know what the Word of God clearly says because you just read it, but I feel. Or my other favorite is, but I read this new theologian and he twisted that and made this. And, and all, the theolo- all the godly men and women over the past 2,000 years were, yeah, they were off their rockers. They didn't get it. But now, so-and-so, who basically wants to be loved by everyone, says, now this is what it means. And we all oh, see, well, that must be what it means. I know the word of God says, but I feel. God cares about how you feel, but not when it comes to overriding his word. Or I have a friend or relative who is fill in the blank, so I don't say anything wrong with it. I have a friend or relative who's this or that or does this or does this or hang. And so I, you know, I love them. I don't see anything wrong with it. Here's the thing. Hear me. Hear my heart, guys. Hear my heart. Cause I know I'm being real. This is a newsflash. You can love, you, I can love someone. I can respect someone. I can be kind to someone. I, I can, I can be friends with someone. I can, I can give someone the shirt off my back. I can jump in front of a train uh, for someone and still disagree with them. I can love someone 
and disagree with it, what they're choosing to do. This culture says you can't. That's not true. What is it? <laughs> if, if you're saying, if someone says that Jeff Greer is intolerant, how is, to, how is it tolerant if all of you, I disagree with all of you, okay? If you all agree with each other, how are you tolerant? How is it tolerant when you all agree with each other? I then disagree with you, but I say, I love you. I respect you. You're creating the image of God. I will never try to harm you. You know what I mean? And honestly, I'll keep my opinions to myself unless you ask me. But I'm intolerant. I'm confused. I dis- Don't you have to disagree with someone to be tolerant of their views? I guess not in the way that we have defined it now. And then calling people haters because they don't agree with you. Um, We need to ask ourselves, honestly, um, are we trying to be holy? Are we looking for holes? Are we looking for um, loopholes? I remember when I was a youth pastor, the kids would say to me sometimes, they come to me and say, hey, pastor, how far can I go? with my girlfriend, you know what I mean? Before I'm actually falling off the cliff, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and I used to say, guys, wrong question. (laughs) That's the wrong, when you start, it's not about how far can I go. It's about, it's about an attitude of holiness that you, you want to be set apart for God. It's like asking that how far can I go? Here's something that we need to totally understand as believers, okay? Sinning, Sinning, falling short here, hear me out, hear what I'm saying. Falling short, sinning, doing the wrong thing is not really the issue, okay? We, not, I will tell you that there are times where I know exactly what the word of God says and I choose not to do it. I'm your pastor. You don't think that's true? Sorry, <laughs> Okay. I, I, whatever reason, I, um, whatever is going on or whatever, I just, cho- I chose not to do it. In the last, whatever, 40 years of my life as a, as a believer, I chose not to do what the word of God said. Choosing, and, but here's the, here's the, I ask God to forgive me. Sinning, sinning, falling short, okay, coming up and doing the wrong thing is really not the issue. It's, it's the problem is denying your sin. It's accepting your sin. It's, it's basically, it's embracing your sin. Like somehow you're not doing something that is opposed to God. That's what's happening. I literally have said, I think I said it a couple months ago. Why did Jesus Christ, and we're talking about holiness of God. Why did Jesus Christ even have to come and die? Because all the people I'm talking to, sleeping around with people, as long as you're in love, that's cool, right? Love is love, man. So, well, that's not wrong. So that's not about doing that. It's not using foul language. Words are just words. They are. They. They. Um, we create words and then we use them. So they're not really. It's not really wrong to drop the f bomb because that's just amazing. Go look up the. Don't look it up. But there. There's a history to how that word came about. Okay. I, it, uh, where's Bob? Rich hand, Bob. Where are you? I can't see you. Okay. So Bob and I are going to go tomorrow and we're going to be in my office and someone's going to walk by and we're going to go, <laughs> so-and-so is a real, we'll make up a word. There's such a real whatever. All right. And we made the word up, guys. We made it up. So then when you walk by, Bob and I poke each other and like, man, what a dingle bobber or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's not wrong, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. 
Because my, the attitude of my heart, is it holy? Is it, it, no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. It doesn't matter if Bob and I made up the word. We know what it means and we know how, der- how we're using a derogatory way towards someone else. You think Jesus would come up and poke us too? What a dingle-bobber that guy is. No. But why would Jesus have to come and die if nothing we ever do now is a sin? There's, you can, you, oh my gosh, I shouldn't even use the word sin, should I? Because that's offensive, right? Using the word sin is offensive. People, we need to focus more on who God is and who God is in our lives and not be sucked in by all the, all the pressure of this world. The second way that Paul defines this act of gratitude is by perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. The word perfecting here in the Greek means to finish. It means to fulfill. It means to com- complete. Christians, Christians need to pursue holiness, the goal of holiness, by separating themselves from all the lies and all the deceptions of this, of this world, not to compromise who we are in the belief that one day, okay, we will achieve our goal. And we can. This is the great thing. When you ask Christ to come into your life, you were justified, just as if I'd never sinned. You were made perfect in God, uh, God's eyes and you were covered with the blood of Christ. Then now we go through the sanctification process where it's ongoing that's why I said this is part of we can make the effort to try to become through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives through his help through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ now we're made alive in Christ so then then we can go through the sanctification process trying to become more like him every single day and ultimately we will get a glorified body where we will have the mind of Christ so we can, that should be our goal, because we can achieve that. And God will make sure that we do. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, Being confident, confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Guys, we need to keep this in our minds. We can be in the world, but we can't be of the world. It's okay to be, we, I don't want you, when I say separate, be set apart, that doesn't mean stop going to public school. It doesn't mean stop going to work, stop hanging out with your non-Christian friends, stop hanging out with people who are whatever. That's not what it means, that's not what I'm saying. We need to be in the world. We need to be there. We need to be salt and light in the world. That's what God calls us to be, but not of it. Not compromising and, and, and forgetting that we are, we, are God's, we are God's people that he dwells with, that he's set apart for his own use. In Leviticus 20, 26, it says, you are, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. And I have, listen, I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. I don't, I, we sit here and listen to these words sometimes that I don't think we grasp the depth the intensity of what's being said here. First Peter 1.16 tells us, be holy because I am holy. And next week, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this even more and how that, how that can actually happen. Paul also tells us that 
The fear of fear and reverence for God should motivate us to perfect or to pursue that holiness. This, this, this reverence for God, this incredible, God, you've done so much for me. And when I, we're talking about fear, we're talking about a reverence for God. Not a, oh, he's going to get me if I don't. But this love that we have because of what he's done for us. And that we will stand regardless of the pressure because of what he has done for us. In Job 28, 28, we read this. And when he said, and he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. To shun evil, that is understanding. That's, that is, that is holiness in Psalm 19.9. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteousness, righteous. The reality is that Christians, Christians who compromise, they break the heart of God. We don't have to worry about losing our salvation, not going to lose our salvation, but we break the heart of God. And the reality is that Christians compromise many times because they fear, they fear the attacks of the world. That's why we compromise, because we fear the attacks of the world, their threats of rejection. No one here, I, I don't want people to hate me. I don't want people to dislike me. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be persecuted. But I, but I need to stand on the word of God. I need to do what the word of God calls me to do. And it's not because when I, when, when the reason that God wants us to do this is because, you know, people are so funny. And somehow they act like they love other people more than God does. You know why God tells us to, to stand firm? Because the people who are not standing firm are walking themselves into a pit. They're, they're walking themselves from this life to the next life. Maybe without Christ. Shouldn't that, shouldn't that rock our worlds? Shouldn't that shake us to our very foundations? Shouldn't that mean that we, we love them so much that we're willing, we're willing to chance their rejection, to chance their hatred, to chance their whatever persecution in order to love them enough to lead them into a relationship with Christ? And now, I, I'm sorry, I am sorry if I came off a little too aggressive this morning. But here in my heart, This is all, I love people. I don't want people. I sit in my office, okay? It's so, it's, it's just so, I'm just gonna be vulnerable a little bit here. It's so annoying and so, so painful and so overwhelming sometimes to sit in your office and listen to people who are not believers sometimes go through why they're living the way they're living and what happened to them in the past and, 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 and to know to know that if they had a relationship with Jesus Christ, their lives could be completely different. And to know why they're feeling the way they're feeling, because when they're out, people are out there, they'll say one thing, but when they get behind closed doors and they tell you what they're really feeling inside about their, their, the way they're living their lives and the behavioral patterns that they're in right now, they're crying and their hearts are broken. And then we... And then we don't have the courage to stand up and take a beating, if it, if it, if it be that, and take a beating for that person's eternal salvation. We should be more concerned, guys, just as for us, we should be more concerned, not about the threats of the world, we should be more concerned about the one who created the world and has power over it in this life and the next. If you're going to worry about something, worry about that. 
Don't worry about what the world can throw at you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God will stand up for you. Okay, so, so, how does, how does this holiness, what does this holiness look like day to day? How do we fulfill the great commission to, 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 to help people have a personal relationship with God, to lead people in this world to Christ without compromising? And what does it look like, okay, what does it look like to belong to God, to be set apart and belong to God? I'll tell you all that. You got it. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much. And Lord, before I even say that, Lord, if, if, my, if my presentation of your word is too aggressive, I pray, Lord God, that you would work through that and around me. I'm passionate because this stuff, Lord God, is so important and you know my heart. People need to know you. And they, they, when they come to know you, they need to know you, Lord, and who you truly are and what you truly expect and what you've truly given to us. We need to understand that, Lord. And, and with all of our hearts in this church, I pray with all of our, my heart, I pray, for Lord, for each one of us. I know it's our desire to lead people into a closer relationship with you in a way that's loving and compassionate. But Lord God, in a way that will not compromise, will not compromise your word. So I pray, dear God, that you would help each one of us to present your son, Jesus Christ, in a way that the people around us who we so dearly love at work, at school, at home, would receive you. And that they would come to know the joy And that they would truly understand that the Christian life is the best life to live. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray all these things. Amen. Have a great week.